to The Well Way. This is Julie Keller Callahan. Today we're here with Mary Tabaki, Professor Emerita at the Cornell School of Hotel Administration. She joined the School of Hotel Administration faculty in 1978, having previously taught in the Division of Nutritional Sciences and was a senior research associate in the Division of Plant Sciences. She has a PhD in biochemical nutrition, biostatistics, and is a well-respected author and researcher. Mary is a consultant for Destination Health Resort Development and Menu Engineering, Corporate Wellness Programs, Adventure Tourism, Healthful Food Menu Design, and Senior Living Facilities. She serves on the boards of the Global Wellness Summit, the Green Spa Network, and the Ronald McDonald House in New York City. She's a member of the New York Academy of Science, Sigma Chi, and the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics. Mary was an early innovator and founding member of the Cornell Institute for Healthy Futures, the International Spa Association, as well as the New York Spa Alliance. Each year, iSpa honors Mary, giving a merit-based scholarship in her name to a college student. Mary is a true icon in the world of spa and wellness, and we are thrilled to have her with us today. Welcome, Mary. Hi, everyone. This is Julie Keller Callahan with American Spa. I'm here with Mary Tabaki. We are so lucky to have you here. Thank you for making time for us today. Thank you. And can you tell us a little bit about your path in the wellness world? Because you've had a really amazing one and influenced so many people in our space. It's true. Uh, I, uh, I, I studied nutrition in graduate school. Uh, and I got very interested in health and fitness. I was a scientist, a chemist before. But nutritional science is where it really is because you can read the literature. At any rate, I studied that. And then, uh, to make a long story short, I traveled the world. I'm a very, I'm a fitness freak. Uh, I just, uh, to give you an example, I just got back from hiking in the Andes all the way to Machu Picchu, but seven and a half hours a day hiking. Uh, normally I don't do that, but I used to a lot, but I did it this time. So I'm a fitness freak. So you put those two together and you get really interested in health. Uh, and because I was interested in health, uh, and because at one time I would get a little stressed out in graduate school, uh, and my husband Guy Tabaki at the time said to me, Mary, you gotta get out and run. That will solve your stress, and it did. So I could go on and put up with whatever you gotta put up with at graduate school, which is a test, okay, <laughs> of how much endurance you have, not how bright you are, but anyway, um, so then I uh, went to, to work in the Division of Nutritional Sciences at Cornell University on soft money. I stayed there for four years, and then I worked in the Division of Plant Sciences, which is all the science of how to keep plants fresh. And there was even uh, organic gardening before the rest of the world knew about organic gardening. So anyway, I was there for that, and then uh, the hospitality school called and said, we still teach our major science within the curriculum. So can you come and do that? And I said, well, I can't teach a bunch of hotelies. They have no background. And he said, just come and try it. Make a deal. I'll, you try it. And if you don't like it, you can go back to what you were doing. So I thought, okay. It was a tenure-track position. <laughs> so uh, I went, and uh, I fell in love with hospitality and the students, mm -hmm. because hospitality students have no compunction about saying, Professor, I don't get this. Whereas in those days when you were working with science students, they'd go, would you please repeat that again? 
I don't know, you know, and they never would say, I don't get it. Okay, so I found the stimulation and the interaction with the hotel was really fun. So that was my start. Uh, and then uh, Deborah Seke's son was my student, mm-hmm. Alex Seke, yes. whom we all remember. And he had said to me, you have to meet Mama. And I said, okay, I have to meet Mom. Like a good non-tenure professor. I said, that's great. So she came, and she and I had a nice visit. And then she said to me, why doesn't the world's best hotel school um, teach spa management? And I looked at her, and I said, I'm really sorry. I don't know what that is. So she said, well, you have to come to the Golden Door for this summer. Not a bad way to spend a summer at the no, Golden Door. No, not at all. <laughs> so I spent down with the staff and with the uh, clients at the guest uh, and had a great time and learned so much from the staff. Uh, and so that was kind of the start. And then uh, I went back to... Cornell, and I was there a couple years, and Deborah said, called me and said, look, I'm going to give Cornell $10,000, which was a big deal in those days. That's not anymore. Uh, For you to start a spas class. And I said, well, it has to pass a bunch of committees. She said, it will pass. (laughs) So it did pass. Sure enough, it did, right? (laughs) Sure enough, it did. And uh, there I went. I started in the spa industry. Uh, then I met the Cohens, uh, Jerry Cohen and uh, Mel Zuckerman, uh, and I knew Canyon Ranch. Then I met Sheila Clough, and I knew the Oaks at Ojai, those pioneers. Mm-hmm. And I met Pat and Renita Corbett. Right. Uh, so I met all of those people, uh, and they really kind of liked me. Uh, I think they were searching for an academic that could do research. Mm-hmm. So sure enough, then Bernie Burt said to me, I need Cornell to do some research. So it was, now we have PWC to do it. Mm-hmm. So I said, well, okay, Bernie. Um, and so there I went. Then in the meanwhile, or maybe somewhere in there, Werner Mendel, I don't know if you remember him. Uh, he was a force to be reckoned with. He was a Cornell grad, had been on Wall Street. And Werner said, Mary... Uh, he called me, and I didn't know who he was. And he said, why aren't you here in NeverSeek? I said, well, number one, I don't know what NeverSeek is, and I don't know who you are. <laughs> he said, well, let me explain. And he said, we're meeting in the firehouse in NeverSeek, New York, tomorrow. Uh, so I said, okay. Uh, so I drove down there, uh, and they're about an hour outside the city, mm-hmm. and so uh, there were people like Jane Siegberg and folks like that, and uh, Werner, of course, and Bernie Burt, and people like that. Sure. So I started with in on the bottom line of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was, it's just for everybody's background, that was really kind of the start of ice that, that was the that start, was the start of, of ice when everybody got together, and, and, and now this is what it is, which is pretty amazing. Exactly. So, you know, and then the... The first two or three conferences, we were just happy if we got 200 people. Mm-hmm. Now when you walk down the hall, you see thousands Thousands, of exactly. So uh, I read into Jerry Cohen last night at a, at a uh, get-together, and Jerry said, you know, this must be a strong organization because we floundered around when we first got together. I said, yeah, we did, but we, <laughs> we started it. Right. 
at any rate, um, so that's kind of how I got into this, and uh, and it was fun. It was really fun. I was excited to work with people in business mm-hmm. uh, because I'd been a scientist my whole life, uh, and of course I knew how to do surveys and da 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 da. So that was really uh, a fun thing, a way to apply my research background about the hotel school, which wasn't particularly science. And then I, st- <laughs> you're gonna laugh at this. Then I started going to spas to work with their dining director to help them realize what good nutrition was Mm -hmm. and that they couldn't starve people. Mm -hmm. I mean, some people don't like to hear me say this, but honestly, there weren't many calories there. Right. Uh, And I said, and they they would say to me, well, why are people so tired on the third day and they're here for a week? I'm starving. Let me tell you, (laughs) there's no more energy in those Right. So we finally worked that out. So... That's how I really got involved, and then later on I became a consultant and whatever mm-hmm. because my school had the business background, and I had grad students who had the business background, and I was slowly learning what it was like to be a business person. So there and you go. you've trained some pretty amazing people out of your school who now have really prestigious jobs in the oh, spa Mia industry. Kiro. I know. She's running things over at Hyatt, which is yeah. amazing. Senior VP. You uh-huh. know. Yeah, Mia was my student later on, uh, not for a while, mm-hmm. but uh, she was my, what we call, graduate teaching assistant. Okay. Uh, and so uh, she helped me with a lot of things getting started, and she came to Cornell with a marketing background, which is, she's still very good at, mm-hmm. uh, and she wanted to learn more about spas. So she, interestingly, came to me and said, I want to be your teaching assistant. And I go, sounds good to me. How do we do that? Mm-hmm. And she said, well, you've got to ask for me uh, specifically. Uh, and when I asked for her, I realized there were six or seven other people who wanted other faculty, but I got her. So that started that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So not only was Alex Zeke my student, yeah. but jump forward, there's that and a host of others. Absolutely. You've had a really <laughs> impact on a lot of people's careers, which I think everybody is very grateful for. Oh, so. I'm so, it's it's fun when I look back on it, Julie. It really was fun. Sure. And I got, I, you know, I was big, wide-eyed, oh, okay, good, good, good. Yeah. Uh, and it, it generated a lot of enthusiasm with my school, with my students, mm-hmm. and I still mentor students. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, we just talked about how you were at there at the beginning of ISPA. How has it changed since then? What are some? Oh. Of the, I mean, I know there's a lot of changes, but what would you say if you had to look back? What are the major changes you're seeing since, since ISPA started? When I first started, it was all destination spas mm-hmm. uh, it, because they were the leaders at that time. Sure. There were, I mean, day spas were really kind of where you got makeup. So it wasn't this whole holistic thing that I liked. And we got into... We had two or three years where it was just destination spa people and me. Uh, and then finally, I ran for the ice spa board somewhere in there. And that was back in the day when you ran on your own. You didn't have a committee choose who could run. Sure. So I was shocked because I won, okay? So, <laughs> so I joined the board uh, and helped with that board a lot. And uh, kind of was... Uh, I prodded them to think about a lot of things. And so one of our biggest debates at that time, which is what Jerry's laughing about, is the day spa organization wanted to be part of us, and they wanted more day spas. And, of course, those destination spa people weren't sure they wanted that. 
now of course we all embrace now each it's other. Now it's very inclusive. Yeah, but it was, but it was so funny. And Rochelle Umbra mm-hmm. uh, was elected to the board, and from there we went on. Uh, but uh, yeah, it was uh, it was a lot of people from destination spas or like a Marriott destination spa mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, or a Hilton destination spa. Sure. It wasn't uh, day spas. Mm-hmm. And now, of course, day spas are a big part of the business. A huge part of the business. Huge right? part. So, in fact, now when you look at it, the destination spas are about like here and everything exactly, else. Exactly. Exactly. So, I guess that that's, uh, shows that we finally got over the, the hump and moved forward. Um, so. What do you think are some of the biggest challenges that we're facing today in our wellness community? Part of it is staffing, finding the right people, uh, and I'll elaborate on that in a minute. And part is it, how do we market and be truthful? You know, because I, I love everything I get, but sometimes I read the label and go, all right, whatever you say. Mm-hmm. Uh, because there's no real uh, investigation. Right. Yeah. Nobody's holding For, anybody to yeah, any yeah. sort of real accountability. But other than thing. that, uh, and you get all the fad diets and all the fad exercise and all this stuff, but other than that, our biggest problem is uh, lack of staffing, mm-hmm. and we've got to bring up the next generation to be the leaders. I mean, at least we've got Mia there who <laughs> is now... <laughs> Not a student anymore, okay, sure. who's not that young anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now we need to bring up other leaders. Uh, so when uh, Deborah Zake and Ruth Stricker mm-hmm. uh, started the first Barry Tabaki scholarship thing, and uh, we started picking up leaders, and some of them ended up being students of mine, in those early days. Uh, and for a while I wasn't on the committee because I didn't want to be biased, so on and so forth. Um, since then, they put me back on the committee, and now what I'm really looking for, Julie, is people with analytical financial marketing backgrounds. I think that's really important because so many of the spa directors, I mean, some of them are hugely successful, have moved up from the therapist side or from a retail side, but I think that you're right. I think that's really lacking in spas right now because there could be much better metrics in, in the spa finances. Exactly. And for a while, it was hard for me because the spa owners and the hotel people would say to me, but I want someone experienced in spa. So I said, okay. So I started sending my students for internships. Mm-hmm. Uh, within the various spas. And then I would come back and say, now I've got students with some experience, not 20 wonderful years like you've had, but they've got this analytical background. So that took me a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now uh, the committee that I serve on, which don't have a, a lot, I don't have, I have one vote, and there's sometimes I don't vote uh, if, if the person's from Cornell. But um, now I, I heard Frank say when I, you know, meant the Quincy Reynolds, who's the owner, the winner today. Um, I heard Frank say, you know, I'm really glad we got an analytical person. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Frank. Okay, because her background is finance, 
she's worked for four seasons several years in the summer, so she's, you know, she's okay. <laughs> uh, but uh, it, it, it just, uh, I'm so, I hope she sticks with it. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, sometimes they come and they get their scholarship, and a few years later, here's the other problem. A few years later, they can get a better paying job mm-hmm. than we offer. So uh, <laughs> I've had several discussions about that with some of our leading people, like Sue Harmsworth, okay. Uh, and people like that. And Sue goes, oh, silly, rubbish. We can get people. Very British. I love her. Anyway, and I'll go, no, Sue. Uh, you know, as long as you've got your team there and you can do all that stuff, that's fine. But not everybody can do that. Mm-hmm. So this is why it's important. But I think we really, unfortunately or fortunately, have to pay them more. Okay. Because at many hotel schools, I've been enveloped by the business curriculum. Like now, the hotel school at, at Cornell is a subset of the business college. Right. Which is fair enough um, because it is a business. So my students can have a choice between, if they're crazy enough, they could go to work on Wall Street because they have such good financial backgrounds. Sure. Now, that's a crazy thing to do. I mean... Especially soon, nowadays, but yeah. Pretty soon they come to me and say, uh, about that spa work. But anyway, <laughs> about the wellness world, help me out. Because they're burned out mm-hmm. from, you know, uh, Morgan and all, et cetera, et cetera, Saxon, you know, Saxon, all that stuff. So uh, it's very interesting. But I do think if we want people out of school and build their career in the industry, we're going to have to pay just a little bit more. Okay. I don't know how much more. I don't know what the ceiling is. I mean, there's people like Margot Mangiarotti, who's now working for Four Seasons, and they right away saw her GM right away saw her ability. And so she's kind of heading up at least California, Southern California. Mm-hmm. Uh, spa is business. Right. Uh, wellness is business. So... Uh, and she said, I don't want to be a spa director. I need to be something a little bit more. Not because she doesn't think being a spa director is important, because she thinks the way she can have influence is to stay working with her GM. Mm-hmm. So they sent her here. So that's good. I'll see her sometime nice. today. <laughs> now, what would you suggest, you know, because we do need people coming up in the spa industry, what would you suggest to someone who might be interested in a spa career? What would you say would be some of the first things that they should do to get into our industry? They need to take an internship. Mm-hmm. Uh, that introduces them. Uh, some chapters have a group that will send students to iSpa, mm-hmm. uh, and they can come here, meet people, go to sessions, see if they like it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that needs to be encouraged in all universities, and I don't know if that's happening. Or maybe even required, yeah. frankly. Yeah, it should be. Uh, I mean, our students have to do an internship somewhere. Mm-hmm. Start Starting when they finish as a freshman, they have to be in an internship. Mm-hmm. Sophomore and junior, they have to be in an internship. So when they get out, um, they can get into uh, a management internship and grow from there. But not all schools require that or have thought about it mm-hmm. uh, you know business majors think they've really got to be you know the vice president of something right off uh, 
I won't go there. Uh, and sometimes my students do too, you know. I know as much as those guys. Well, they don't. But anyway, so, uh, yeah, it's, it's attracting those brains mm-hmm. that I think is the basis. Whether it takes money, whether it takes inspiration, whether it takes a cheerleader like me, whatever it takes uh, to attract those students. Maybe even more, you know, just a bigger movement from all of us who are in this industry to encourage people to do it and, and keep cheerleading our industry. Right. And, and, you know, write to those of us in education, there's several of us here, mm-hmm. and say, have you got an intern for me? Mm-hmm. I mean, I reach out to people if somebody wants an internship, but mm-hmm. uh, a lot of people may not get through as quickly as I do. Okay. I think that that's really smart, and people don't realize that they should do that because it's it's a great opportunity to help mentor someone. It's also a great opportunity to get some help, and spas are, they have a, a lack of employees right now, so it's, it's, it's a win-win on both sides. It is a win-win, and, you know, the spa department of most hotels are, are the spas in a hotel don't contribute that much to the bottom line, mm-hmm. but they're important mm-hmm. because the big spenders will come to the spa and then spend money elsewhere. I've done some research on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's very important that even though the spa doesn't contribute that much to a hotel's bottom line. It's very important to the... If you don't have a spa, uh, STR and I did this research with Jan Freetalk. Uh, if you don't have a spa, people won't come. Right. Can you? What do you think of... What are some hotel uh, hospitality brands that you think are doing it really right right now? I think Manor Oriental, I think Hilton, mm-hmm. I think Hyatt, uh, I think Four Seasons is starting to get it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think those companies, and of course, you know, Canyon Ranch, the the basic people, you know, Canyon Ranch, Deborah Zeke is still going with Rancho La Puerta. I know, she's down there once a week, right? <laughs> I know, amazing. Uh, I think uh, all kinds of destination spas, uh, are really on top of it and moving. Uh, Canyon Ranch, now that it's been purchased, is spreading its wings a little. Well, that's yet to be determined how that works. Uh, I'm impressed with the leadership. Uh, so we'll see where that goes. Uh, I think John and Jenny, um, not John and Jenny, um, John, John Ke- Kelly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, Savannah, John. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and they tried to start something, but I don't know if that worked. Mm-hmm. So uh, you can do a startup destination place, but it takes all kinds of money, money, mm-hmm. money, money. Uh, and sometimes when you borrow money, then that from a real estate people, they'll buy you out. Yep. So you have to be very careful how you do that. I'm not sure how you do that legally. I think I've asked my legal people, but I don't know what kind of answer I got. So. So, yeah, I think all those places are just doing very well. Oh, Miravelle. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, of course, Miravelle's going to develop now, okay? For a while, it was slow to take off, but it's going to develop. Mark my words, it will be tops pretty soon. And then um, there was another company I was going to mention, but, yeah, they're really growing. Oh, and then Ann Beth um, at Exhale. Mm-hmm. You know, Hyatt purchased them, mm-hmm. and I expect to see that grow. Now, Ann Bass has been an inspiration to me mm-hmm. because she started Excel when I thought, in fact, Mia Caracos was her first 
worker. I, really? I yeah. think it was because I actually interviewed Julia Sutton from there, and they, I think it's been 20 or 25 years since they started, and they've, yeah. really, they've really done some great... And Mia was one of their first mm-hmm. people. Uh, in fact, and Beth didn't want me to know. She was afraid I'd talk too much. So she hired <laughs> me. All right, whatever, Ann Beth. So anyway, oh, that's great. That is funny. But now Hyatt owns it, at least part of her. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't get yeah, that straight Yeah, I think yet. that they have they so. yeah. Now, where do you think there's some really interesting opportunity in wellness right now? I think the big opportunity is uh, mental health, mm-hmm. whether it's... Uh, Transcendental meditation, or I call, I like meditation that is called, uh, hmm. it's active meditation. You're sort of half in a prayer kind of thing. So you're not blanking your mind. Mm-hmm. You're thinking it through. I'll like think of mindful. Mindful yes. meditation. Okay. Mindful meditation. So not mindless, but mindful. <laughs> not mindless meditation. <laughs> because when you sit there and say, I'm going to think of nothing, it doesn't work. Right. So you need to. That's my theory. I mean, I, I, there are I people who will disagree not, with not me. Okay. That either. I understand. I have a hard time thinking of nothing. So <laughs> I do too. So I think that works. I think I heard the Dalai Lama say that a couple of times. I think I've read that in his book. Uh, at any rate, yeah, I think the mental health is a big deal now. Mm-hmm. We have all these drug crises in middle class America and lower. Oh, that's not not right, but middle class and poorer people. Yep. Uh, and then, uh, for instance, I did a whole section in Qatar, uh, the French say Qatar, but in Qatar with their drug addiction group on how wellness might help addiction. Mm-hmm. So uh, I woke up a few, <laughs> I dared to get up there and speak in front of all these neurologists, but I said, look, guys, what if you could substitute one addiction for the other. Right. A what healthy you, addiction. Exactly. Could, you know. A healthy addiction. And I ha, I read up on the mental stuff and the brain stuff. And they sort of looked at me and said, well, hmm, maybe. So I didn't feel totally stupid there, but I, <laughs> I dared to say that. That's good. It's only I would. That is. That's good. That's great. And what about... Um, you know, some of the interesting, do you, do you, can you think of any trends that you see on the horizon? Because I know over the course of the years, you've probably watched trends go and come and go, go and, and come, come and, and some go. that are crazy and some that are lasting. You know, is there anything right now that's really standing out to you in the wellness space? Is oh, yeah. I mean, I think back to nature. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, some people call it forest bathing. My whole life, I grew up on a farm where I was very physically active and, you know, struggling through the middle school and high school stages. Uh, my parents owned a big farm next to a big acreage. And so anytime something bugged me, I went out and hiked in the forest. So I didn't know that was supposed to be good for you. I just knew it was good for me. Mm-hmm. I'm really a nature freak, uh, so to speak. Anytime I can be in the wilderness, it makes me really happy. That's funny because my question was going to be, what's your wellness practice? And it ties into it. It's, you know, nature is your wellness practice. It's very much so. And uh, I think the fitness thing has to still be considered. We can't expect everybody to run marathons. I've run half marathons. I've ever attempted the whole one. Mm-hmm. <coughs> A lot of 5Ks and stuff like that. But we do power hiking. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's... 
it's easier on an older person and maybe easier on everybody. I think I've worn out the hip. It's still good, but I think I've worn it out with running. <laughs> uh, but I think that kind of power, hiking, and adventure. I think adventure is the next thing. Mm-hmm. <coughs> to some people, forest bathing is an adventure because they've never been out in the wilderness. Uh, and uh, Don and I travel everywhere. My husband mm-hmm. and I travel everywhere with Natural Geographic that is it's called adventure hiking. So we do that, uh, and it's marked, I mean, anybody could do it. It's marked um, easy or something like mm-hmm. that, all the way to strenuous. We just did a strenuous. We're a little too old for that. Said, do you it, mind me asking how old you are? Because I'm impressed that you are doing adventure <laughs> strenuous hiking right now. Yeah, so we're back to, I promised Don we wouldn't do adventure some, like, I mean, ex, what they call it, strenuous. I promised him we'd do more moderate. Okay. <laughs> After this long. Last trip. Okay. Uh, so, uh, but we've been wanting to do that for a while. We finally said it's now or never. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm <coughs> impressed. That's amazing. And so my last question for you is, um, you know, what's next for you? What are you going to be doing next? Where, where are we going to see Mary? I mean, I feel like I see you everywhere. You're so active in our community and you're so supportive of other people. What are you going to be doing next? Well, that's a good question. Uh I think I've joined Greenspawn Network, but I forgot. I think I'm supposed to be <laughs> on the board, but I, I see they had something this morning that I didn't get to. But <laughs> uh, at any rate, yeah, I think that's that's really important to me now. Mm-hmm. Uh, <coughs> somebody whose generation messed up this planet, we've got to figure out how to unmess it or at least mitigate it. Okay. So I've always been oriented that way, but I didn't realize you know how to put a name on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. I think that is something I probably should work on as well as, and this is hard to do, I think we need to motivate people as they age to stay active. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a lot of people my age who are not active or who are in wheelchairs, etc. My husband and I went to look at senior homes. We got to, we said, uh, uh, Not for you. Not for not me. Not yet. Not yet. So... You know, it, it's it's interesting because that's we talked about aging and anti aging when we're talking about the skin. But anyway, the new anti aging and it shouldn't be new, is to stay physically mm-hmm. active. Uh, I grew up in a community as a child in the middle of Missouri, okay? <laughs> Where my grandmother was out working in the garden or helping in the field if she had to. Mm-hmm. Uh help the men, you know, so those people stayed active, and they lived to be 100 and didn't need a wheelchair. Mm-hmm. Now, was that genetics? I don't know. But I lived in this small community, and nobody was that impaired. Uh, my grandmothers both lived. They were still ambulatory uh, up until two weeks before they died. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking, you know, what's with this? I've got to sit around on my mm, backside. At age 60. Uh, but that's that's a passion, and I haven't quite figured out how to do it. Uh, I think you could be the poster child for it. So I think you'll do very well if you uh, if you find your path there. Well, I don't want to scare people because mm-hmm. I'm such a nut, okay? <laughs> <laughs> and my husband is too. So we don't want to scare them, and I have to figure out a way to motivate them. I'm in something called the Cornell Institute for Healthy Futures. I think I was a original fellow there or something. Um, and I still work with that. And when they talk about uh, 
healthy futures they're talking about, how to make nursing homes better. Well, I agree, senior homes, I should say. I agree, mm-hmm. uh, but I think we should work on how to stay active. Right now, the average person goes into a senior home at 85 and a half or 85, okay? So I'm thinking that's great, but the reason they do it is they don't want to go there any sooner than they have to. So all the senior homes are saying to me, Mary, because I work with someone, Mary, how do we get younger people in? Mm -hmm. I go, well, that's a really good question, especially now that we have boomers. Mm -hmm. Because I'm older than a boomer. But boomers don't ask their kids where they should go. Boomers say, right, I want to do what I want to do. Whereas, you know, the greatest generation, their kids kind of put them there. Mm Mm-hmm. And so now uh, it's going to be interesting to see how that works out because mm-hmm. I've looked at every kind of senior home there is. And my most favorite one is something in Mexico City. And it's got, it's in a story, a high story thing. And it's got senior people, many who are academics, on one floor. Mm hmm. Uh, below it is uh, mixed-use housing, so mm-hmm. they get to see junior people and kids, because mm-hmm. I think that's healthy. Sure. And then a shopping center is there, and then there's a bridge from the senior people over to the hospital. So that's pretty cool. That is pretty cool. Um, unfortunately, I don't want to go to Mexico City, <laughs> but I like the concept. I think that's brilliant. Um, I think we're going to be seeing a lot more of really interesting, healthy aging We've got to. And, and so this is something our wellness industry has to look at. <laughs> I mean, I went to the leader circle last night, which is a group of us who've been there for 29 years. And I looked at this, and we're all physically active. And I looked at us, and I thought, this is even more reason to be working on this. I'm looking at that, and I'm thinking, okay, you can do this for people who have good savings, mm-hmm. but what do you do for other people? Right. Because we spend, as you know better than I, we spend more on medical care in this country and have the worst outcome. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's horrible to say, but it's true. Um, if you look at you know, the European countries and Singapore and Hong Kong, et cetera, et cetera, uh, Australia and, and the Nordic countries. So you got to wonder, what are we doing wrong? And part of it is we're not helping people age well. There's so this whole... will be Mary's new passion project. <laughs> Absolutely. There you go. Oh, well, thank you so much for spending time with us. I'm so honored that you were able to be part of our podcast, and uh, we look forward to seeing your next chapter. Oh, you bet. You bet. Okay, <laughs> I'm you. sure I'll be causing some kind of trouble. Oh, I'm sure you will, too. <laughs>